0: Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. You know, I still haven't recovered from yesterday's show. Well, what do you mean you haven't recovered? Was it like a workout or something? No, I did work out. But the worst show was it was a mental workout. And my brain has uh, Doms. <laughs> Dom what? Like Dom Toretto from Fast and Furious? No, delayed onset muscle soreness in the brain. That article we discussed about, uh, with Darren Beatty's article in Revolver about the January 6th bomber, I, I kid you not, it's been on my mind all night. I've been spinning about it. My adrenaline's been going all day. We're going to talk about that today. Also a huge night for the conservative movement in the country last night in the elections. We'll get to that in a second. Today, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Coverage of last night. We'll hit that quick in the beginning, the Revolver article. And again... The FBI and the Department of Justice are dialing up the rhetoric, folks. Their strategy is crystal clear. I need you to see it. I know exactly what they're up to. And I know you do, too. Stand by. A lot to get to. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers, and they're all made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com, and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. survival Rifle. Let's go. Here we go, brother. Yes, sir. Big night last night for conservatism and the movement as the dreadful, uh, tyrannical uh, authoritarian Liz Cheney goes down in flames by something like 30 to 40 points, um, gives a ridiculous speech in front of a uh, lightly attended uh, event in a lightly attended event in front of just a few people. Uh, it was embarrassing for her, embarrassing for the Cheney, uh, the Cheney posse, uh, embarrassing for a family who had controlled Wyoming politics for a long time. Um, you know, shouting fraud is a terrible thing. But Liz Cheney was a tyrant. She is a tyrant. I expect in her last few months um, here in office, I expect her to dial uh, dial up the tyranny because Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. I also expect her to abandon conservatism because she was never really a conservative. Uh, What she would do is take conservative votes because she thought it would give her power. Now she's going to find power in kissing the ass of MSNBC and CNN, hoping and praying she can stay relevant on their channels. Ladies and gentlemen, listen, she's got a big problem right now. You'll see in this Just the News article, by the way, um, her ego um, is the size of the Grand Tetons. She says, in concession, Cheney compares herself to Abraham Lincoln, or as my daughter, Isabel, used to call him when she was younger, Joe, Abraham Lincoln. Um, Liz, Liz, um, you know, it reminds me of that. Remember that? Uh, was it Lloyd Benson? Uh, Dan Quayle debate? John F. Kennedy. Yes, yes. And I knew John F. Kennedy. and knew or no. Listen to me, uh, Daddy O. You are no Abraham Lincoln, Liz. OK, just go sit down. Uh, beat it. The country's tired of you. Everybody's tired of you. The Republicans are tired of you. And I know what you're going to do now. You're going to kiss the ass of the left, uh, hoping and praying to get an MSNBC contributorship or show. Folks, there's no path for her on that. Other politicians have tried this, the anti-Trump lane, uh, the John Kasichs of the world. If you're like, who is John Kasich? I say to you, exactly. That's my point. Thank you. There's no path. She knows it. So now she's going to double down on crazy, hoping to maybe sell a book or something like that. That's just who she is, a completely undignified human being. Let me just mention one more thing before I get to the revolver article and the January six bomber, which I kid you not has been on my mind all night. I cannot get over this case. There is something. I think this was another insurance policy, but I am um, uh, uh, I am very, very concerned, and I use my words very deliberately. I am extremely concerned, folks. We may be in real trouble in the Senate side in this coming election. Listen, I. Asterisk, okay? I don't put a lot of stock in polling, okay? Senate polling specifically, U.S. Senate, so we're clear, not state Senate races. U.S. Senate polling is notoriously awful. Remember, Joe, the poll uh, Lindsey Graham in South Carolina was in the last election cycle of versus Jamie Harris. Oh, Lindsey, listen, Lindsey's no mm. uh, conservative. We get that. But do you remember that poll? He's in big trouble, man. Lindsey was on Hannity every night. I'm losing. He wound up winning by 10 points or whatever. Uh, it, It goes the other way, too. Senate polling is notoriously bad. Having said that, it doesn't mean it's irrelevant and it shouldn't be factored in. The Senate polls for us look horrible right now. Horrible. I saw a bizarre poll out yesterday that Rubio may be in trouble in Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, as I've said to you often, Republicans are not the solution to all your problems, but Democrats are absolutely the cause of them. And I want to get rid of the cause and hopefully fix the Republicans. Those are the only choices we have. There's no third option. I'm not asking you to place blind faith in the Republican Party. I'm not telling you the uniparty problem isn't real. It is. I'm just telling you, life is full of choices that are not ideal. We have got to take back the Senate. Or the punishment is going to keep on coming. And we have a country to save. At least take back the Senate. So then we can get Trump in there. Or if he doesn't run someone else at DeSantis in there in 2024. And we can start to fix this thing. The polls don't look good in Pennsylvania. I don't like Dr. Rice. You want the socialist other guy? Fetterman? Guy's a mess. He's a Bernie Sanders socialist. Those are your choices. That's it. Herschel's starting to fare a little better in Georgia against Warnock. Uh, Masters, the polls aren't looking great against Kelly. Folks, we have got to get out there and vote or this this defeat of Liz Cheney last night and the very competitive run by Kelly Shabaka, who made it through to the uh, November election with Murkowski. They're going to be on a ballot. I had that ranked choice crazy system there, Joe. Um, None of this is going to matter. If we lose Ohio, by the way, J.D. Vance, folks, the polls are not great. Please, I'm begging you, my 10-10-10 rule. We haven't brought this up in a while, Armacost. It is time now to institute the Dan Bongino 10-10-10 request. Gee, do you know what this is? See, Gee doesn't know because we haven't discussed it. Oh, That's yeah. my fault. Okay. Now is the time. The 10-10-10 plan It's officially, formally, the gavel's down, been activated. Flag it! The judge has spoken. Flag it. Thank you. It's time for you to send 10 emails to friends, Republican friends, conservative friends, reminding them to get out and vote in November. The Florida primary, by the way, is next week, August 23rd. August 23rd, don't forget. So if you still have a primary vote in that, send 10 emails to 10 good Republican friends. It's time for you to make 10 social media posts too. And it's also time for you to call 10 friends and remind them to vote either in the primary, Florida coming up next week, and in the general. If you can't do that, you're not willing to save your country. 10, 10, and 10. If 1,000 people commit to that, we could change the course of a couple elections. Please. I'm growing very, very concerned about the Senate. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want you to think this one last thing through. I'm sorry if if you don't like this segment, but this is critical. The Senate seats are six years. Think about this. If we lose these seats, Florida, Georgia, uh, Ohio, Arizona, Pennsylvania, if we lose these seats, even if Donald Trump wins, they will still be dealing with these same Democrat buffoons in these Senate seats. That's how long they're in there. Candidly, if I have my choice, I'd rather lose the House and win the Senate. The house, you got the only two years. We can fix it in a couple of years. Not that I want to lose either, but you get my point. Please, please get out and vote. Okay, enough about that. Let's move on. Revolver, this piece yesterday, I can't get it out of my head. My melon's stuck in there, floating around. Barely sleep last night. I usually go to bed at 9, 11 o'clock at night. I'm tossing and turning in the bed. I can't get over this freaking case. Darren Beatty blew my mind yesterday. He was on my radio show. We're gonna put that interview on the weekend podcast this weekend. So if you missed it, you can hear it. It we added even more confusion to this whole thing. I can't get over the revolver story you're seeing right here. January 6th, pipe bombers, mechanical timer detonates Fed Surrection Line. Folks, the pipe bomb. The pipe remember on January 6th, there was this just explosive stories. All this was going down. They were like, and there's two pipe bombs that were found one in front of Republican National Headquarters, one in front of Democrat Headquarters. And remember everybody saying, oh my gosh, this is evidence, Joe. This was a planned insurrection. The Trump MAGA terrorists are taking over the universe. Remember this, Joe? Yeah. They're planting bombs, storming the Capitol. It's like Pearl Harbor, 9-11, Pearl Harbor 11. It's like a combination of the two. This is it. It's like the Civil War.
1: Oh, the humanity.
0: Oh, the humanity yeah. of it. And remember, we heard the bomb story and I got it. You know, folks, listen, I'm, I'm only human. I listened to it, too. I was like, oh, my gosh, bombs, too. Like, this is really bad. I mean, I'm, I'm listening to this. You know, of course, I'm always skeptical because of the Bongino rule. But I'm like, gosh, they found bombs. And then it was strange. You never heard about these bombs again, despite the fact the FBI was telling us, along with Democrats, that it played this key role. In this this enormous plan for a federal insurrection to blow up the government. Now, one of the piece, one of the parts of the uh, the, the revolver piece, Darren Beatty, the author of the piece, brought up about the bomb that was found in front of Republican National Headquarters, the National Committee, the RNC. One of the bombs that was found, and this confused some people, was found at twelve forty on January six. Keep this timeline in mind; it is critical. It's critical. Some people on the radio show were confused when Darren mentioned this. Twelve forty. Okay. So just afternoon, the proceedings up on Capitol Hill for the counting of the electoral votes were supposed to start at 1 p.m. just 20 minutes later. Folks, what an unbelievable coincidence that someone seems to have Joe found with air quotes this pipe bomb with a mechanical egg timer on it. 20 minutes before one o'clock when the proceedings were supposed to start on January 6th to count the votes and the timer, the egg timer thing, the hour egg timer thing was stuck with 20 minutes to go. Meaning it wasn't ticking. It had 20 minutes to go. That's just, isn't that perfect? I mean, if you were trying to establish a narrative, that a planned insurrection was to start as they were counting electoral votes for the presidency, right? Wouldn't it be perfect to find a pipe bomb that had a timer stuck on the 20-minute mark with 20 minutes, excuse me, the 40-minute mark. It was an hour timer, 20 minutes to go. 20 minutes before the proceeding starts? The counting was to begin at one. I'll explain to you why I think that's important. A lot of people miss this. Some people got it yesterday. First, I want to go back to something I didn't have enough time explaining yesterday because we were running out of time on the podcast. I try to keep it an hour or less for you for your ride home. This is one of the portions we didn't get to yesterday. And, and uh, I'll get back to that in a second the timing. Stand by. I just want to set it up. Another thing about the device, Beatty notes in the piece, Darren Beatty, and I sing on the cake. He says, We must note reports that the pipe bombs contained live explosive material. They were live? Here, he quotes the Washington Post. The device was considered live, meaning it contained viable explosive material, according to Steve Blando, a spokesman for the Washington field office of the ATF. It was disarmed at the site, Blando told the Post. Around 1.15 p.m., officials have said the second bomb was discovered several blocks away next to a bench outside the DNC. It too was live and was disarmed on site, Blando said. Really? It was live, meaning it had explosive in it. I don't know what the explosive was. Say it was black powder. I'm not sure what it was. It's typically something you would stick in a pipe bomb like that. It was literally a pipe with an egg timer. It was meant to look like a bomb so someone would see it as a bomb. Well, I've asked this question before and I'm crowdsourcing and asking you again because I'd love to hear your theory on it. How is it that Kamala Harris, who was the vice president elect, they're not sworn in yet, but she had a Secret Service detail. She visited the DNC that day. The bomb was planted at the DNC 17 hours earlier. How is it that a dog trained to sniff black powder and explosives from yards and yards and yards away missed it when it was sitting right there in front of the DNC. How is that? How is that possible? Well Ben, you know we're here so you can answer it for us. I don't know. I can speculate. I can speculate. Maybe it was an OTR. It was considered an off-the-record movement, and there wasn't a sweep done by the dog. We have to, folks, we, Occam's Razor. Keep it simple, stupid. Accept the, the most plausible explanation. It doesn't require you to assume a lot. Well, maybe there just wasn't a sweep. Maybe the sweep was done poorly. Maybe the sweep didn't take in that area. I, I got to have to consider it all. But you also have to consider... Other options as well. Maybe the dog didn't catch it on the sweep because it really wasn't live explosive. Well, then someone would be lying, right? Because they said it was live explosive. I don't know. I'm considering all the possibilities. But then you have to ask yourself the question, how did an explosive ordnance disposal team couple of guys or women that are trained to look for explosives that are complicated missed the most obvious egg timer bomb thing. It looked like it was out of a cartoon. How'd they miss that? It was sitting right there by the bench. How did everybody miss that? I don't know. I'll give you my theory at the end. Speculate. Now, Darren Beatty was on last night on Tucker Carlson. And another group. he was on my radio show as well. Like I said, I'll play the whole interview. It was a lengthy interview. It'll be on my podcast channel this weekend and the Sunday interview show. I'll give you my theory in a second. I I had to sum it up rapidly towards the end of yesterday's show, but I want you to listen to BD here when he's asked by Tucker Carlson about why isn't this a huge priority? I don't understand. We're being told by the left that January 6th was the worst insurrection in, in American history, the equivalent of a civil war on Pearl Harbor. You have this guy or woman on tape leaving a bomb at the DNC, another bomb at the RNC is magically discovered with 20 minutes on the timer, 20 minutes until the counting supposed to start. Perfect timing to the minute. Why don't the Democrats in the January 6th committee seem to care about this? Listen to his response. Check this
1: out. It doesn't make sense at all. And look, if people read the full piece of Revolver News, you'll see that this is just one of many absolutely mind-blowing coincidences related to the pipe bomb situation. Keep in mind, we know this pipe bomb that was allegedly planted the evening before wasn't discovered until after the RNC pipe bomb was discovered at 1240. That means there was an entire morning of people walking by of pedestrians, of motorists, of DNC security who didn't see it, and even the Secret Service itself which we know by reports swept the area, checked entrances, the pipe bomb was placed just feet away from an exit to the DNC building, and the Secret Service missed it, and they missed it so that the actual pipe bomb would first be discovered at the RNC, discovered at 1240, And so when it was reported, the Capitol Police responded to it just a minute before that first and decisive assault on the Capitol perimeter. So everything was timed in just such a remarkable fashion as to be, frankly, unbelievable. And I think everyone needs to pose these questions very directly and very forcefully to Merrick Garland, to Christopher Wray, and to Stephen D'Antuono, because we really need answers at this point. And to Liz Cheney, why is the January 6th committee not interested in this?
0: Gee, is this still blowing your mind? It's it's literally unbelievable, like literally hard. It's It's hard to believe. We can't. It doesn't make any sense. How did everybody miss this bomb? It was sitting there next to a bench with a timer on it, with a pipe right in front of the DNC in a relatively heavily trafficked area. How did they miss it? It makes no sense. It looks like a movie prop. It's exactly what it looks like. If you were in a bad 1980s Megaforce movie or Chuck Norris movie, that's what the bomb looks like. A pipe with an egg timer. You've got to be kidding. This doesn't make sense. All right, Dan, make it make sense for for us. That's my job. Let me get to my next sponsor. I'm going to take a break here. i got to pay for the show. I appreciate your patience. Thank you very much. You guys are always terrific. But I'm going to give you, again, my theory as to what is going on here. And I'm reasonably confident at this point that I'm right. Okay, what's my theory about what happened here? And um, we'll see if I'm true. I, I just, we'll see if I'm I'm accurate. Forgive me. Was that spot on about Spygate? Folks, what I think happened here is political enemies of Donald Trump knew there was going to be a challenge when the votes were counted. The electoral votes were counted starting at 1 p.m. on January 6th. Okay, they, how did they know that? Because it, everybody had openly talked about that. I mean, they literally had to stop the steel rally that day. Can we establish facts first? What I'm basing my theory on is facts. Everyone on the left knew that there was going to be a challenge and that Trump had a lot of questions about a lot of shenanigans that happened in the 2020 election. The left did not want that openly aired in front of the nation. It was going to be aired in front of the nation as the votes were counted Up on Capitol Hill, starting at 1 p.m. on January 6th, they were afraid. Hawley, Cruz, Republicans in the House were going to go up there and start talking about the Pennsylvania shenanigans. Um, Some of the shenanigans with ballot boxes. They were terrified. They needed to stop it. Everybody dig, take a breath. You all following me? They had to stop that. They could not have this aired nationally. The political enemies of Donald Trump, the real insurrectionists, they knew that there was a potential distraction from the counting that would force the Republicans hand that it was violence. Now, this is why what happened that day, again, is so devastating. They weren't sure there was going to be violence. So all of a sudden you see a lot of this suspicious video. People seem to be telling people to go to the Capitol and whatever. Now, I believe a lot of people did a lot of stupid things. And I don't believe I don't believe every single theory on either side, but I am absolutely sure of it that some of the people in that crowd were not our friends. I am sure of it and wanted violence. Take that to the bank. Because what would happen? The violence would do exactly what it did. Shut it down. For the media would then, of course, leap oh, look what you Republicans did. The Republicans would back off. And everybody would say, election was good, we're moving on. But they weren't sure the violence was going to happen. You dig? So, what did they do? They had an insurance policy. And again, as I said yesterday, I use those two words very deliberately. The insurance policy was hey, if we put a couple bombs in front of the RNC and the DNC, and then we discover them just as the counting's going to start. And we discover them with a timer showing it was supposed it was detonate was going to detonate at the exact time of the counting. We can then pitch to the media the narrative: Look, the MAGA Republicans want to stop the counting right now with these bombs in an insurrection. The Joe, the counting must go on. Yes, we will overcome the bombers. And you Republicans, shut your mouth. You incentivize this. You get it. It's the only thing that makes sense. It's the only thing that makes sense. The only open question I have to that, that was the, the what group did it? I don't know. I don't get ahead of my skis naming names or groups. It would be irresponsible because I don't know. But I am sure of it that these were not MAGA people that did this. They needed an insurance policy to stop the uh, stop the protesting of the count and to put Republicans on edge. Look, you're inciting violence. Just agree to it and shut your mouth. There's bombs here. Move on for the benefit of the country. The only open question I have, which I need your help. I'm a humble guy with this. When I don't know, I don't know. Is how the hell did the bomb in front of the DNC not get discovered? It was sitting right there. The Read the Revolver article, it's in the newsletter, bongino.com newsletters. in yesterday's show notes. It was sitting right there, folks. Look at the picture. How for 17 hours did people miss this thing? How did the Secret Service miss it? That part I can't figure out. Why would you drop it there when you did 17 hours before if you didn't want people to discover it early?
1: It really wasn't hidden.
0: It what Joe? It was, you've seen the picture. Yeah, yeah you've I seen saw it, the right? It it's right there, Joe. Right there. And then the question is: I may have just talked myself into a solution. I think I got it. It's weird. I'm not messing with it. It Just happened on the air. The person who planted it. Let's say my theory is right. It's an enemy of Donald Trump who wanted to make sure. Look, they're look. And wanted to pretend to be a MAGA guy. The MAGAs are bombing. Must have understood that due to the surveillance camera network in Washington, D.C., that the only time they could slip in and drop the bomb was 17 hours before when it was still dark out the night before. That's the only explanation. The city was, was on lockdown for the next day, relatively. That's the only explanation I have. Or else, why risk it that it would be discovered early, Joe? Why risk it? And then just drop it, you know, 20 minutes before. The answer is because sunlight was out and maybe, maybe they were afraid of getting caught and walking around with glasses and a mask and a hood on, which is what they had on, would look really suspicious. Just the thought. I'll let you figure out the rest. All right. I got a lot more to get to, folks, uh, regarding Mar-a-Lago and the outrageous Uh, destruction of the constitutional republic going on in front of your very eyes as they burn this place to the ground. Merrick Garland, the most corrupt human being to ever sit in the attorney general's office. A man who has ushered in the destruction of the United States. They are dialing up the rhetoric. I've said it now four or five days in a row. You're probably getting tired of it. If you tune out, I understand. I hope you don't. Washington Times, Jeff Mordock. The FBI is warning the threats of civil war and a dirty bomb. Following the Trump raid, folks, this is all a plot by them. It's all a plot. you see that meme? Do you guys see that meme? It's, out there. it's like the FBI and DOJ, and they're poking one of these Trump frog guys with a stick, and they're saying, do domestic terrorism. Do domestic. You've seen it? It's all over the internet now. They are baiting you so badly into violence because they want the same thing that happened on January 6th to happen now where violence erupts, they can point to the MAGA people doing it. Nobody focuses at all on the raid, just like they didn't focus on the suspicious activity in the 2020 election. And now they're exclusively focused on MAGA violence. I'll leave it here. Please, please do not get baited with this civil war rhetoric. There's a real civil war going on right now that makes me very anxious that the FBI is completely ignoring. I'll play a clip from Tucker coming up at the at the end of this portion of the block. The FBI is not interested in that civil war. They're interested in instigating one amongst MAGA people. We can do this the right way. We have got to get answers. Please, please do not get baited. It is an Admiral Akbar trap, mo- uh, trap moment. And a shout out to Gee and Justin, if you're listening, buddy. It's a trap. It's a trap. Yes, this is. is a trap. Do not fall in it. It's a trap. There you go. Thank you, buddy. You had that. I didn't even know you had that. Yeah. That is that's There's Akbar himself. Be careful who you're talking to online. It may not be who you think. Be careful who you're talking to in person. Speak out. It's your constitutional right. But be very careful. Thank you. Enough. Why? Because you may be on an enemy's list. Really? An enemy's list? Oh, yeah. Dave Bossy described the enemies list, and it's up in a piece at Just the News. You know what? I'm going to get to my next sponsor. I'm going to tell you why you may be on an enemies list. And again, who you're talking to online and in Facebook groups may not be who you think. Just ask the people in Michigan who were accused of, quote, kidnapping or trying to Gretchen Whitmer. It's a trap. Be careful. (sighs) All right. Okay. You may be on an enemies list. This is why I'm worried about you. Uh, The John Solomon's outlet, just the news is a piece. It's by Aaron Kliegman. It's called the new enemies list. It's in the newsletter today. Conservatives and Trump allies targeted by the DOJ. Folks um, read the piece again, bongino.com slash newsletter. It's there. But this morning I woke up and I know all these stories, but seeing the compilation of all of the Trump people in the MAGA universe who have been, ruthlessly, unconstitutionally targeted for their political beliefs by the FBI. That's what I mean by unconstitutionally. They became... To, I'm not suggesting any of these people are saints. Can, let me be crystal clear. I'm suggesting to you that if you want to find a crime on someone, you can. Joe, you ever rip a mattress tag off? <laughs> 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 says, say, I mean, says on the tag, right? You're I'm, violating federal law. Folks, you. don't let... Yeah, I'm not, you know, he's not, Joe's a smart move because Joe's a conservative. So Joe's like, eh, Dan, I'm not saying this on the airways. It <laughs> may come for me next. That's a real thing. Now, you may say, well, Dan, that's stupid. No one's been prosecuted for a mattress you Really? No one's been prosecuted for the Logan Act either until Mike Flynn. Ha, there's your argument up in smoke, isn't it? Don't laugh. That happened. It's unconstitutional because these people were targeted for their political beliefs. And when I saw this list, Folks, I got to tell you, I sit here I sit here in the dark in the morning. Don't ask me why. The Fox camera's on. If they probably see me like, why is this guy sitting in the dark? I don't know. I Something very calming about the dark at five o'clock in the morning. I use my phone light. Politics is strange too. I don't know. Maybe I'm a strange guy. Who knows? But I'm reading through the Democrat, DOJ, FBI enemies list. And I said, my gosh, they're right. Here are just some of the people who've been targeted for their political beliefs in what we thought was a constitutional republic, but what is now clearly, clearly the third world when it comes to our justice system. Clearly, there's no longer a doubt about that. We got to fix it. But we are in the third world, our justice system. Steve Bannon, Peter Navarro, Attorney Jeffrey Clark, Attorney John Eastman, Congressman Scott Perry, James O'Keefe, Project Veritas. Paul Manafort. Roger Stone. Mike Flynn. Carter Page. George Papadopoulos. Attorney Michael Cohen. Rudy Giuliani. Alan Wesselberg from the Trump or- Trump org. Attorney Victoria Tunsing. Attorney Joe DeGeneva. Trump confidant, Tom Barrack, Jenna Ellis, attorney, Sidney Powell. Also the January 6th, folks. Folks, that's not even a conclusive list. You understand we're living in a third world republic right now, which is no republic at all. We're living in a third world tyranny, to be precise, right now. These people were not targeted for crimes. Everybody, you can find a crime on anyone. They were targeted for their political beliefs. The Manafort case jumps out to be most of all. I even made the example on Fox and Friends this weekend. I used it this past weekend. You understand Manafort was prosecuted for talking to a guy, Konstantin Kalimnik, who was literally a source for the Obama administration, who was talking to them too? Why weren't the Obama people who were talking to him prosecuted? Because they weren't they needed a political reason. It wasn't a legal one. Oh, he's talking to this guy. That guy's a spy. But you guys are talking to him too. Yeah, it doesn't matter. We need to prosecute Manafort because he's a Trump supporter. We're living in the third world, folks. There's an enemies list. Do not get baited. Please, please, do not get baited. I'm begging you. Why? You think there's an enemies list? You think there are you think there are legitimate people with character running the FBI? Ha! That's hilarious. The FBI is entirely corrupted at the management level and it's filtering down now even into some at their in the rank and file. Anyone involved in that raid must be immediately fired. I'll get to that in a second. Immediately when we take power. Immediately. Here's Peter Stroke. You have to understand, folks. This guy was an upper-level, SES-level employee in the government. Let me explain this to you. For those of you who don't understand federal employment, I was a federal employee at one point. There are grades. You know, they have that term, G-Man. That comes from the GS scale. It's a pay scale. That's it. But the pay scale also can mean promotions and managers or not. I got hired as a GS-7 I got promoted to a GS-9, a GS-11, a GS-13. Those are just time promotions, seniority. Everybody get it? GS-14 in the Secret Service is a supervisor. I think in Border Patrol, I think an 11 or a 13 is a supervisor. They're just pay scales. Above all that, not to get into the wonkery, who cares? I'm trying to make a point here about stroke. Above GS-14 is GS-15. That's where it stops. That's the maximum pay scale. On top of GS-15 is this thing called SES, Senior Executive Service. Those are political appointees, okay? A promotion from 15 to SES is a big, big deal. You can be transferred between agencies. These are the senior managers in the government, Senior Executive Service. Peter Stroke was an SES, meaning this guy probably got hired as a 7, promoted to a 9, an 11 over time, a 13. 14 that's an actual promotion in the fbi a 15 he was a manager probably twice or three times and even got selected as a political appointee in the ses not political but they're appointees this guy was one of the people running the fbi look at this tweet from this maniac on his verified account by the way Someone sent this to me this morning. I had to go look to make sure this was real because I thought even this psychopath who is almost single-handedly responsible for spying on Donald Trump during the Spygate P.P. tape hoax, he tweeted this. Donald Trump tweeted about the raid of Mar-a-Lago and the taking of the passports. He tweets back, please, oh please, keep asking how you can turn down the temperature in the country. And why does he, Trump, have two passports? The Russian passport, of course, is kept in a vault at Yasinivo and only swapped out at third country meets. So it can't be that one. Holy crikeys! This guy is a crazy person. This is insane. I don't know his psychological status. I don't. I haven't had the chance to evaluate him, um, nor am I a licensed psychiatrist or psychiatrist or psychologist or even an MSW, this is crazy. He thinks he has a Russian passport kept in a vault, swapped out at third country meets. Folks, these are the people running the FBI at the SES level. They have the power to take your life, your freedom, your property, your dignity, everything. Just to make you stand there naked as they strip search you? This guy. This guy. They're winning. For, I, I know, it's nuts. He's like, in the this is, this real. I had to look twice because I thought this can't be real. Someone sent it to me. I thought it was a joke. He makes, all right, him and Frank forget Fugazi, and oh man, that would have been a perfect time for the Fugazi 8-8 video, but we played that last week. But yeah, Fugazi was a senior manager too. These are the crazies who are running the FBI. Tell me again, we're not in the third world. No, no, we're not in the third world. It's all fair and on the up and up. Please stop. Please stop. Stop the stupid. By the way, they're winning. They're winning. I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound down. It was a huge night last night. We got rid of Liz Cheney. There are wins here and there, but it's my job to ground us. You know, I hear all these people celebrating our victory in the 2022 election in the House and Senate. The reason I brought that up in the beginning is that's not what the polls are saying at all. You better get your ass out and vote and drag 10 people with you. That's the hard reality. Right now they're winning. That's the hard reality too. When we get in office and fire all these people, they'll be losing. What do I mean? Their goal the whole time was to take away any Trump, any possibility Trump would get due process. They know they're targeting Trump at the Mar-a-Lago raid January 6th and all this stuff for something he didn't do. They know that. They know any good attorney would beat them in court. So they got these liberal activist groups to go and pressure attorneys to deny Trump due process and never work with them. Look, they're proud of it. The Washington Post talking about it right here. Washington Post. Trump is rushing to hire seasoned lawyers, but he keeps hearing no. The gist of the piece? Trump doesn't deserve due process, doesn't deserve civil liberties, doesn't deserve any of that. Legal protections like you and me Trump doesn't deserve that. No way. Lawyers, he's got decent lawyers. Alina, uh, Christina, they'll be fine. But the hard reality is that these white shoe law firms, the Democrats do not want Donald Trump to have due process. And they're winning. And the way for them to stop winning is for us to start winning and make them start losing. And the way to do that is to start by voting, by activism, by posting, by showing up, and by running yourself. That's the way. Folks, uh, listen, there's a real, the media is having a tough time right now balancing two conflicting narratives with the Mar-a-Lago raid. They're trying to paint Merrick Garland as this sober kind of reason guy who deliberated over this whole thing and took time. And then there's another narrative which challenges that, and and they can't seem to pick which one. It's kind of hilarious to watch. We'll get to that in a second. Okay. So folks, the left knows. The left knows they're in trouble. They know they're in trouble because the backlash to the day you You just said they're winning. They are winning in their actions. But we are starting to take back the narrative game. The narrative game is important because there are still impressionable people out there who are seeing what's going on. Now, the media, understanding they have to defend the left at all costs, knows they're in trouble post-Mar-a-Lago, the raid, Mar-a-Lago game. They know. They know the narrative's getting away from them. So James Freeman points this out in a terrific piece you got to read. It's called Merrick Garland, the Washington Post, and the nuclear story. Remember that story leaked? Oh, Joe, the nuclear codes at Mar-a-Lago, whatever. Everybody was like, that sounds kind of dumb. They're trying to balance two narratives. The two narratives are this. I'll get to this in a second from the piece. The first narrative is that Merrick Garland's not a political guy, folks, okay? Gay, not a political guy. He struggled for weeks with this decision. For weeks, he sat there, Joe, scratching his head. Here, gavel. He's, he's, he's a judge, so what do I do? What do I? He was just so concerned. Struggled for weeks. He's not a political guy. That was meant what to paint him as a deliberator and fair, and impartial. Yet that creates a problem with the other narrative. The other narrative is breaking two hundred years of tradition. And raiding a former president's personal residence and his wife's underwear drawer? It was an immediate threat, Joe. Nuclear codes. It was an unprecedented and unique threat, which required immediate, unprecedented action. So what is it? <laughs> Did If he sat around deliberating on this thing for weeks and months or whatever, but it was so immediate that it could, you know, the Chinese could have stolen our nuclear codes. Which one of those stories is accurate? The answer is neither. They didn't believe in either one of them. This was a political hit from the start. It's just the Washington Post trying to balance uh, the inequity of the story. They'll switch the story by the day. When the Merrick Garland's a deliberative nonpolitical guide narrative fails, they'll tell you Trump was an immediate threat. When the Trump was an immediate threat and he kept the nuclear codes narrative fails because they didn't find anything and you saw the receipt, then they'll switch back to the Merrick Garland struggled with this. He struggled. You watch the Merrick Garland struggle narrative is going to take over as you realize they found nothing on the raid. As I said before, it's troubling that the FBI is using all this, by the way, to shut you up, saying it's gonna be a civil war. You Trump supporters are gonna get super crazy violent. It's gonna be a civil war, fellas. So it's those Trump people. While ignoring a real civil war that makes me very anxious happening right now, folks, the radical CRT left is becoming increasingly racist, bigoted, and their lust for violence against white people, race-based violence, is now out in the open. This is not a joke. This is real. This is not going to end well. Pedro Gonzalez, who is a uh, commentator, was on Tucker Carlson's show last night. He was talking about a book that's out there called The Last White Man. The book, he calls it liberal porn. It's apparently about like eradicating the white man in some race war. Folks, this is happening in our country right now as the FBI is like instigating a civil war with MAGA people. What about the civil war openly being written about right now by the CRT left? Listen to this, this is really disturbing. Here's Pedro Gonzalez on this book, check this out.
2: It's a new phenomenon that goes just beyond books, but I think it's important to actually do an overview of The Last White Man. Basically, the characters suffer through these apocalyptic changes as violence escalates as whites disappear. Pale-skinned militants in woodland camos stalk the streets, attacking people with impunity from the cops. But a calm settles upon the world, once whites disappear from its face forever. A book like this, which is somewhere between racial exterminationist literature with a kind of wistful touch and liberal pornography, could only be written about one group, and that privilege is reserved for whites. There's a whole industry for this stuff, Tucker, and there are no shortage of eager consumers who who eat this stuff up because they believe truly that there's no limit to the amount of demeaning that we can inflict on whites. And again, it goes beyond bad books like The Last White Bit. And I'll give you a different but related example of this phenomenon. The Minneapolis Public Schools and Local Teachers Union have recently instituted a new policy in which when it comes to downsizing and layoffs, the rule is white teachers must be laid off before any teacher of color. In other words, they've codified Racial discrimination against whites in real life, not in fiction.
0: Do you hear that Minnesota story? Teachers union contract demanding white teachers are fired first. You know, it's really stunning to have seen the civil rights movement. All of the people involved it wasn't just Martin Luther King. It was a lot of people. And you know, we've done a poor job explaining our, our history. It wasn't just Martin Luther King. It was a lot of folks. A lot of people, a lot of good American citizens. You know, the the bus boycotts. I mean, there's a deep history there, fighting for freedom and liberty for all. Thank God there was. But to watch this all get flushed down the toilet as insane lust for violence liberals start openly calling for racism and bigotry. Where's the FBI on that? He's watching that. Joey says, can you imagine if that book was about black people, you would be in jail tomorrow morning. It's either way. It's an atrocity, but the fact that the left doesn't see or wants what they're doing, that's the civil war. You should be worried about. Okay. Uh, Let me get through some of this quick Uh, folks. Joe Biden signed the disastrous, uh, Inflation, hilariously named Inflation Reduction Act, yesterday, and uh, I'm going to get into this in detail in tomorrow, tomorrow, because this revolver article was on my mind all night. But Joe, you're you're the he uh, you won't remember this, but you might remember that you, of course, you, will. you remember Ross Perot? Remember Perot's commercial? He would yeah, that Perot sucking was,
1: noise, yeah, right, yeah,
0: yeah, the sucking to jobs, right, yeah, Joe, you do remember. Yeah. Ross Perot was a third party candidate. He ran against George W. Bush and Bill Clinton. Um, in, was it the 92 election, right? Perot was a a very, very wealthy guy. Now, I know I'm repeating history for some of you folks my age, but for the younger folks, Perot used to go on TV and I don't know, it must have cost him I I have no idea, millions upon millions of dollars. He would buy primetime television. Right? Remember these, Joe? And he would do these tutorials on trade, cross-border trade, they were incredible. Yeah. You, know, you got to understand. I mean, I don't know. They must have co- Today's dollars probably cost 50 million, but I have no idea. They were incredible. Ross Perot, before he dropped out and then got back in, was polling at like a third of the vote.
1: Yeah, he was doing very well. I'm not
0: kidding. Oh, he was doing very well. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time again for a president or a very wealthy conservative. We need a Ross Perot-like national education strategy again. Uh, To you out there in my audience, and I mean it, you are very smart. How do I know that? You communicate with me. I see your Facebook messages, your emails, your tweets, your true social posts. I see them. But there are lefties, candidly some independents, and a whole lot of Democrats, not all, who I'm sorry, folks, they're just very ignorant. They just don't know what they're talking about. And until there's a national education strategy to fix this country, people are still going to vote for stupid things that destroy their lives. Where's this coming from? I see this on Politico Playbook this morning, the left's Bible. They put a survey out about some of the components of the disastrous Inflation Reduction Act. I'm telling you, one of the most destructive pieces of legislation in modern times signed yesterday. One of the pieces of it was placing a cap on prescription drug price increases. Well, when you phrase it that way, Joe, you'll notice in the piece, what is it, 76% of people say, yeah, yeah, we love that. They strongly approve of that. So the government can stop price increases. How, how does it do that? And why isn't it doing it on everything? Why not on cars? Why not on iPhones? Why not on uh, remote controls? Gas, right? gas. Why not on boost oxygen? Why don't they? Do, why not on gas? Because, ladies and gentlemen, the price is determined by the cost it takes to produce a product a profit to incentivize more production of the product and our research and development, it's not determined at all by the government. So how did Joe Biden sign something yesterday that's going to lower prices if they've had no success lowering prices elsewhere? The answer is he did nothing of the sort. He signed a bill placing an artificial cap, meaning you will charge as much. The companies then who can't make money will go out of business. And the companies who can shift the cost to private insurance will make your insurance more expensive to pay for the caps on other people's insurance dealing with Medicare. That's it. This is not hard. And if someone went on television and explained to these people that the government is doing no such thing controlling prices, they're just shifting higher costs onto you with private insurance, maybe 76% of people wouldn't agree with this stupidity. Here's another one. from the. This is in the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, too. A 15% corporate tax minimum. Shockingly, 61% of people are like, it's a great idea. Really? Who pays corporate taxes? Corporations. Where do they get the money? Uh wait. Customers? Uh, yes. Hey. Ding, 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 They get it from you. About 30% minimum of the corporate taxes paid by employees, and a large swath of the rest is paid by consumers in the form of higher prices. Where do you think they get the money? This isn't hard. If Perot was on TV explaining, here's a corporation, here's the customers. Here's the money from the customer to the corporation. Here's the money from the corporation to the government. Corporation needs more money because now it has to give more money to the government. Where does corporation get the money from? Oh, the customers. (laughs) Thomas Sowell, right? Ben what? Here's another one. I'll I'll, I'll wrap on this. There are uh, $80 billion in funding for the IRS. Shockingly, 40% of people agree with this. Why? Because they're under the illusion that the IRS is only going to go after billionaires. But what you got to understand is the Democrats themselves and the scoring of the bill acknowledged this wasn't true. They said we're going to gain this amount of money from the citizens. By passing this IRS audit uh, beef up bill. That funding, the money is only in the middle class. There's not enough money with the wealthy. How did you miss that? You're voting to get audited? Man. I Again, I, I think I, I'm not sure if I voted for Perot or, or Bush in that election. Honestly, I honestly don't remember. But maybe... Perot was right about some things wrong with you. We need another Perot. We need someone. We need someone with Elon Musk type money to go on and buy like an hour long block on every major media channel and just go out and do this. This is just ridiculous. All right. I'll get to more of it in detail tomorrow. I was just really concerned about that revolver story. Folks, thank you so much for the week of podcast listenership. Uh, You have moved us now into the top five. As a position we haven't been, we're usually top 10. Top five is like during the elections we were there. You know how we got there? By subscribing. It is free. Please go to Apple. Please go to Spotify. And most importantly, please go to rumble.com slash Bongino. Please. And subscribe today. It's free. That keeps us on the charts. Believe it or not, it's not the listens to the podcast. It's the subscriptions that help you stay on the charts. Thank you for your help. It means the world. I'll see you a uh, little bit later on the radio show. You just heard Dan Bongino.